Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. I did not know of any uh, parents of color starting organizations like ours, but I saw plenty of, you know, parents of color going through um, the the journey, um, and I just I really wanted to be there for them. Because I noticed that a lot of moms, black moms, especially that I talked to, were very, very private. They were very, very private about the journey. Um, and sometimes I felt that they were they, they, they were just so alone. You know, they, they were just so alone and so frustrated. Sonia Prince is the mother of Kowasi Prince who was diagnosed with a rare malignant brain tumor in 2010. He was just seven years old. After two brain surgeries, chemotherapy, and radiation, Kwesi enjoyed 15 months in remission. A relapse in 2012 was managed with another brain surgery to remove the tumor and a bone marrow transplant. Unfortunately, Kwesi relapsed a final time in 2013, his family and doctors were out of options. They lost Kwesi in April of 2014, but his spirit radiates in all who knew him. Kwesi is honored through the work of the Kwesi Prince Foundation, which is a pediatric cancer organization dedicated to supporting families suffering the devastating effects of childhood cancer with a focus on brain tumors. Sonia is the foundation's executive director and today's guest. I met Sonia at a conference in 2017. After our initial introductions, she told me about Kowasi. She told me about her personal commitment to health and wellness. She knew that to best care for him, she had to care for herself. Through the work of the foundation, she helps other parents and caregivers optimize their own health and wellness while caring for their sick children. In this episode, Sonia shares more of the mission of the Kowasi Prince Foundation, what she's learned new about herself, and how we can help the foundation with its work. With no further ado, here is my interview with Sonia Prince. Sonia, I want to thank you so much for being my guest on Nora Speaks. And uh, in the introduction, I did share um, a brief uh, bit with the audience of your biography, but I want them to hear who you are in your own words. Great. I'm glad to be here with you today, Nora, as well. Like you said, I am Sonia Prince. I am the executive director of the Quasi Prince Foundation. Most importantly, um, I am Quasi's mother. Um, I started the foundation, of course, in his honor to help other children and families who are going through a similar journey that we went through. Wonderful. And the uh, foundation has been up, it's just been a short time now, right? It has been. It's really new. We were founded in September of 2016. Yes, we're just close to a year and a half old. Okay. And um, just in some of the research that I did, the um, Kawisi Prince Foundation provides support to families who are also managing the effects of childhood cancer. Right. We, uh, well, fortunately where we live, um, our area, we have great support through other foundations that really focus on the children as they go through uh, their treatment for pediatric cancer. 
and afterwards. And some organizations that really focus on the whole family. But we really try to provide support to the parents and the caregivers, um, doing things as giving them ideas on self-care because, as most people with children probably know, that it's very hard to care for yourself when you have a child as well, (laughs) you know. Mm. So when you have a sick child, it's really, really hard to focus on yourself. But um, it's so funny because when Quasi was diagnosed, that was the first thing I focused on, which sounds kind of odd, but I was in the mindset that I had to keep myself healthy. I had to do all that I could so I could be there for him because I never wanted to miss a doctor's appointment or, you know, he had to go through chemotherapy. Um, and I just, you know, couldn't risk being sick. So that is one of the things that we really try to focus on with our foundation. And we also offer financial support to um, bereaved parents who may not have insurance or anything for their children because that's a common thing. People don't really think that something's going to happen to their child, so they're not Mm -hmm. financially prepared. So we try to help out there as best we can. Wonderful. So let's talk about Kawisi for a minute. Um, He was uh, a uh, bright and spirited young man from uh, all that you shared with me about him when we talked about him. Let's talk about him. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kawisi was. He um, was my baby. I have two children. He was the youngest. Um, You know, we had a normal life. Kwesi was perfectly healthy, um, just doing all the things that children do at his age. Uh, He was diagnosed when he was seven years old, and one of the things that I try to share, because people do ask, you know, how did you find out, and he started having headaches. Um, we didn't think anything of it initially because it wasn't anything that lasted a long period of time. It would come and then it would go away, but they got more severe and they started happening in the middle of the night and he started throwing up. So um, we took him to the pediatrician and our pediatrician was great. He ordered an MRI. I feel like we were tremendously blessed because I've heard of parents who pediatrician did not order the right test right away because they just weren't thinking the worst. And a lot of children were delayed with their diagnosis, which is really critical. Um, But, yeah, that's how our cancer journey started. It was a very long journey. It was a little over four years. Um, But Kwesi was just, he was so awesome. And, I feel like he (laughs) helped get us through most of it because Mm. the thing with children, and I feel like one of the biggest lessons we can learn from them is that they have this awesome ability to really stay in the moment where we are already sometimes thinking of the outcome of the situation. Right. Quasi was always, you know, if he was feeling well, he wanted to go to the movies or he wanted to go to school or he want you know, just do normal things. And that really kept us grounded and kept us living um, through it all just with his attitude. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny when you, when you think about it, but there's such a lesson um, that we all learned in that. But um yeah, Crazy was amazing. He was amazing through it all. He just kept his little personality through all of it. Um, it was very seldom that he was really sad, even at his sickest point, which was amazing to me. Um, that you can see that for from a seven, eight, nine, and ten year old, and um, you know he kept it all the way up until the end, and he passed away when he was 11 years old. So we just try to take those lessons that we learned from that experience and make the most of our lives. 
I think that's incredible. And he understood uh, that his diagnosis was a terminal diagnosis? You know, I don't think that he did. I, okay. I don't think, you know, for one, he w- it, it wasn't terminal in the beginning. Casey, you know, he, he went into remission, and then he relapsed. He relapsed three times. And by the time he relapsed, the last time, and this is another thing, Quasi had a brain tumor. So, you know, with the brain, it has effects on your, um, you know, like he had memory issues and just cognitive issues. So by the time he relapsed the last time, um, I really don't know how much he understood, you know, um, I, I don't know how much, much he understood, and I really don't think that he uh, understood that it was terminal, part because I don't think he understood, two, because I don't think we fully accepted it, um, because we always held out hope for that miracle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, let me say, I think that um, it, it seems like whether he understood um, the nature um, of the diagnosis be, being terminal or not, I think that that staying in the moment um, trait that you say that he had and that children have, I think that's that's wonderful because it, it reminds us to maintain our perspective on, you know, he is a kid and at this moment he wants ice cream. You know, that's what kids want. And sometimes exactly. as adults we want to take in the broader picture, but mm-hmm. right now he may just want to go to school. He might want to just hang out with his friends. And, um, and and I think they help us young people stay on track onto what's mm-hmm. most important. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially, you know, when you have such a diagnosis as that, there were often right. times when I just wanted to shield him. Um, of course. Yeah, but I remember when Quincy relapsed the last time, we knew that we were out of options. He actually relapsed for the last time in February. And, you know, you never know how it's going to pan out, you know, the doctors didn't give us any amount of time. They couldn't tell us what it would look like when we got to the end, nothing. So I remember that summer, Quasi wanted to go to camp. We have a great camp here for children with cancer, and there are doctors there and nurses, and the kids have an amazing time. Quasi had been there before, and he wanted to go that summer. And I was so, you know, it, it's a whole week. Um, right. With him being away from home, and it, it is here in Missouri, but it's about 45 minutes from where we live, but I had to let him go. I, I learned within that last year to let Quasi do so much, and it really taught me how to live my life now. Um, I just had to let him go have fun and and live his life and enjoy the time that he had. And I often, I try really hard to continue to live my life that way. I find it to be very hard because now I have grief. And it's sometimes very hard when you're grieving, but... I, I try really hard to keep that front of mind. We we never know when life will change. And just to live my life the best that I can and do the things that make me happy and bring me joy. And starting the foundation was one of the main things that um, I wanted to do. Because when you travel along the childhood cancer, pediatric cancer journey, it could feel so extremely lonely. You know, you can have friends and family who have dealt with cancer, but it's so much different when it's a child and you just feel so alone. Um, And I gained so much from other moms that I learned who were on the same journey or moms who had lost their uh, child to cancer. They just became some of my greatest friends. And I wanted to continue that on because parents definitely, definitely need that support um, to know mm-hmm. that they're not fighting alone with their child. Right. I I, I think this is an, um, important talking about how we can support families and caregivers who are dealing with 
uh, a terminal diagnosis for a child, um, especially something like cancer. So uh, I think what you're doing and what the foundation is doing is wonderful in helping the parents, um, you know, be as well and as healthy as they can so that they could be, you know, in the greatest condition as a caregiver. So for us who are family and friends or colleagues of someone who is uh, managing this journey with their child, how can we support them? Because, you know, a lot of times we, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to right. do. And, then that, and so because we don't know what to say, what to do, we do nothing, and then that helps foster that isolation that you talk about. Exactly. You know, I think the biggest thing, and uh, we were very fortunate on our journey uh, when Quasi was still here, our uh, hospital had a brain tumor support group that we tried to go to every month, and it was just nice being there to hear other parents. But one thing that we used to always talk about is how friends and family, you know, they would always call and check on you and they would say, well, call me if you need anything. Mm. <laughs> and we would say, you know, that is just, I don't know what I need. You know, when you're so overwhelmed, um, sometimes you just don't know what you need. Um and I think sometimes if people could just do simple things. You know, then you have those parents, too, who won't ask. They won't ask. Right. They may know right. what they need, but they just won't ask. And I think, you know, if you're a friend or family, just take them something to eat. You know, everybody has to eat. Um, or take them a gift card. That's one of the things we provide in our tranquility tote that we give to parents our restaurant gift cards because, you know, you just have those days where you just don't feel like it. And I think just calling or texting, just, just letting them know that you are always there. Because I do remember when I could think of something that I needed, it was usually those people that always called or always text or always checked on me. They were the first person that I called to Mm. ask to help out. And, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being there. Let them know that you are there because so often this, the journey is long. Childhood cancer journeys, they're usually really long. If a child is diagnosed with leukemia, their treatment can be three and a half years long. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people to support them and just continue to be there, I think is the biggest thing that people can do. Would you yeah, advise- and when a child passes, I'm sorry. No, please continue. When a, chi- when, when a child passes away, when someone loses a child, I think in that aspect, it's the same thing. Um, I noticed when I first lost Quasi, I joined support groups, and parents would talk about how you know, after one year, people wanted them to snap out of it or people would tell them to snap out of it or people would tell them you just need to stay busy. Um, I think that's another way that people can support. Just just be there. Just listen. Don't judge. Um, You know, just listen and be there. Call and check on them and and let them, you know, as long as they're not harming themselves, just let them go on their journey because it's a life, that too is a lifelong journey, living life without your child. It's not really something that you ever get used to, I don't or expect think. To, or expect to have to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Would, you, would you advise family members uh, to uh, seek out support groups to find uh, how to support? I, I think I remember um, when my, my mom died and uh, she died young, and somewhat unexpectedly, and you kind of, some days you're great, you know, and then Mm -hmm. some days you're not so great. And like you said, Mm -hmm. people just think, well, you know, it's been a year now. You should be doing a little bit better. Um, And and they don't know that that there is no time limit. There is no expiration, you know, for grief. Exactly. So I, I thought that if people, you know, would seek out some kind of support or guidance in helping people who have this kind of grief, I think that would be useful. Mm-hmm. That would be. Or read a book. There are even books mm-hmm. that are written on how to support. 
Because even the grieving parent, you know, that was one of the things. Luckily, my mom is a social worker, uh, so there are certain things that she kind of told me or when I would tell her, she understood and helped me work through them. But one of the things I didn't understand was that grief is not linear. It's just not. You know, I would have a good day and be like, oh, my God, like, I finally had a good day. Like, this is is awesome. And then the next day, it was just like – I had just lost crazy, and I did not understand that. I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with loss before, but just never on that magnitude, and I, I just couldn't understand how one day you felt like you were, you know, gaining traction, and then the next day it's like it just happened, and my mom, you know, told me it's, it's not linear, it's circular. So mm. you're going to you're going to you know be have good days have bad days just just be easy just be easy on yourself. Um, so yeah, that's even one thing that the you know well that I had to learn. I will say that because um, I can only speak for me, and I do think that that is one thing that supporters have to. Uh, have to learn too. I remember I, I post a lot on social media, especially in the beginning of my grief because writing was just very therapeutic and letting people know just the journey. And I remember, you know, posting and being so thankful when I had a good day. And then a couple of days later, it was just awful. And I remember she was uh, the sweetest person, one of my neighbors, like, well, just go and do such and such. Because I talked about something that I had did that day, and it made me so happy, you know, the day when I was having a good day. And that's another thing. It doesn't work like that. If it did, (laughs) then we could keep it up. (laughs) But, you know, one day you can look at your child's picture and smile. The next day you can look at that same picture and it kills you. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's just, Grief is grief is one of those difficult um, topics, and I think supporters just may want to, like you said, look for education um, that may help you support that person through it. Right, right. So let me ask you, what uh, do you think that uh, you learned most about yourself in this journey? I learned how strong I am. And I learned that I can do anything as long as I try, even the hardest of things. Um, it's funny because it's been something that I've try- I'm trying to relearn <laughs> because one of the things with grief and me is that it caused me a lot of self-doubt where when Quasi was here and as we went along the journey and as it got harder and harder and I realized that doctors couldn't save him and I started feeling like the doctors didn't know much more than I did, I really learned to use my voice and listen to what God was telling me and my instinct and follow through with it with no doubt. Um, and now I'm trying to rekindle that because somewhere in grief, I've started to doubt myself a little bit, um, or be afraid to do those things that scare me where, you know, with Quasi, I did a lot of things that scare me, even like letting go to camp. Right. That was scary for me, but, but I did it, um, and just a lot of things with his care. Sometimes I went against doctor's orders, and I ended up being right. And I worked with a great medical team where they would listen, and they would say, huh, Mom, you got an instinct for a reason. We'll go with it and mm-hmm. see how that works. Uh, but I think that was the biggest lesson for me to learn. And there are so many things that I am still trying to do with my life, and I just need to remember those things. Um, that, that there is so much that I can do. I just have to trust that instinct that I have. Right. I think that's, I think that's great advice for all of us in any yes. stage. And mm-hmm. I think it's easier, you know, when you're, we're advocating for our babies, you know, I, I 
tell my children, I said, I've become a mama bear. (laughs) Exactly. So it can be easy, you know, to have that fearlessness and that forthrightness when it's for our family or friends, especially for our children. But then sometimes when it comes for ourselves, I'm not so sure. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, but, but I, I'm trying really hard to get back there because I do think that there were a lot of things that we did or I did as a mom that extended Quasi's life because Quasi's brain tumor was pretty deadly. He had a brain tumor called pineoblastoma. Um, but for him to live four years, that was, that was pretty miraculous. And I think it's just because a lot of the things that I, I did that, um, you know, I, I just stepped out there on faith and, and right. did certain things that helped extend his life. So, yeah, and I'm trying to do those things to make my life more joyful. Um, well, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what did you learn um, about, Kwesi talked about the, the trait of children, of being able to be in the moment. Uh, what did you learn about, about him or what came out of him that uh, was strengthened or enhanced during, you know, such, such a difficult time? Well, I will have to tell you, when Kwesi was diagnosed, not only did I not think I was going to make it, but I never thought he would be able to endure the journey because Casey was so shy and timid and just very to himself. He, you didn't see his inner strength until we embarked on that journey. Um, but, oh, my goodness, he he just, his strength was amazing. Um, it, it was just amazing to watch, and it was amazing to see him change because mm. he came out of the shyness, you know, I guess with – I don't know if he would have grown out of it, you know, or if it was because of the situation. You know, we were at the hospital all the time. There were always these people around us. In the beginning, he was very scared. It was it was just very hard um, because he was just very scared, uh, didn't want to go. But unfortunately, or maybe it's fortunate, I don't know, children adapt and he was friends with the nurses and the doctors and he just, his little personality just always, it was just always shining. Um, Mm. Yeah. He just watching him um, go through that was amazing. And I am so thankful that I shared our journey. For so long in the beginning, I didn't share. I didn't share a lot on social media. There is this platform called Caring Branch. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but... That's Caring um, Branch? Caring Bridge, like you cross over bridge, bridge of oh, water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's for, you know, people who have illnesses. And it's a, it's a website, kind of like social media, but it's kind it's, it's more private, and so I would have to give people, you know, the password or whatever, and they can get updates. So I always did that during our journey, just because it was easier for the people who knew to keep up. You know, I couldn't call everybody every time something was going on. But when Casey relapsed the first time, that is when I went on Facebook, because I could not carry it. it. It was just so the the, the it was just so heavy. I couldn't hold it. Um, and I remember sharing and how people were like, "Oh my goodness, Sonia, I had no idea that you were going through all of this." And then Facebook at that time, before I shared, it was kind of my happy place. It was kind of my place when I wanted to escape it. Right. Um, but like I said, after he relapsed, I just couldn't. And one of the things I'm so happy I did was share him because I have seen how it has changed other people's lives and 
how they even parent their children yes. um, or how they view their lives. You know, so many things are not important. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. So many things are just not important. Just let that go and live your life. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things um, that I am glad that I've, I've done through this journey, that I've shared our journey. Yeah. I think, Sonia, I think, I think the, um, the community of friends uh, that you have or associates or even acquaintances, even if it's through social media, I believe that we all benefit in you and others sharing the journey because, you know, one thing about life that is expected is that there's always the unexpected. You know, and mm. so whether we are a friend, a family member of uh, someone who has a sick child or we could become the parent or caregiver, you know, to a sick child by others, sharing their experiences, you know, not only do we find out, you know, crucial resources, but we kind of also know what to expect. So even when you would talk to your mom about your grief and she would explain, well, let me, you know, let you know that, you know, grief is circular, it's not linear. So I think that, Sonia, what you've done by sharing is that you've opened Kawisi, you know, up to all of us, and you've opened um, the world. Um, you've opened yourself up so that we can all benefit from it. And, and I think that um, it's, it's incredible the journey that you've taken and, and the energy and spirit that you have that you share with others so that they're not alone or they're not facing the unexpected because they can have you as a reference point. Right, and that's 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 my whole purpose. My whole purpose is to do just that. Um, when Quasi was diagnosed, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but his his uh, brain tumor was really really rare. Um, and I remember after they told me what it was, I went online um, to try to find someone who had that, and. You know, I couldn't find anybody. And there were two kids that popped up, and they popped up through St. Jude's website. And I thought to myself, huh, if I call St. Jude, they're not going to give me their information. If best, they're probably going to take my information, and maybe, maybe they'll get in contact with them. I don't know. And I need to speak with somebody right now. Right. Well, one of the, one of the parents, I went on YouTube, and I remember searching for it. And one of the parents that I saw at St. Jude, she made one YouTube video that had to do with her son's journey. And I sent her a message through YouTube, and she contacted me, and I talked to her. And I, she now uh, is one of our biggest supporters. Um, she is such a dear friend to me, and I have to meet her in person, but I told myself that as soon as I got to a place where I could give more, you know, once we, once I got over the initial shock, that I would be that person to someone else. Um, and so that, that really is what the foundation and what a sharing, that, that's really what it's all about, exactly what you said, because I made a vow that I would be that person because she, I told her, I always tell her, I don't know if you know, maybe you do know because her son was diagnosed with the same thing. Maybe you do know what you calling me meant, but mm -hmm. I felt like she saved my life because I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. It's one thing to know that your child has this diagnosis, but it's a whole nother thing when you can't find anyone who shares that diagnosis. Um, so, yeah, we, that, that is, Nora, that's our whole mission, just to be there for others. Um, if they need us to be, just to listen or whatever we could do to help them get through the journey. Right, and I think that's wonderful. And that's why I asked you to be on uh, the Nora Speaks podcast because I like to highlight people um, in organizations that I believe uh, are being the movement, meaning 
meaning making um, impacts into Mm -hmm. the lives of other people in, you know, in various ways. And certainly um, the Khaleesi Prince Foundation is making an impact into the lives of family members and caregivers who are impacted, um, you know, by juvenile cancer. And uh, and, and so that's why I wanted you to be on the program um, because of exactly what you just stated. Mm-hmm. And and another thing I want another point I wanted to make up bring up as to why I started the foundation first and foremost to be there for people. Another reason is because I did not know of any uh, parents of color starting organizations like ours, but I saw plenty of you know parents of color going through um, the the journey, Um, and I just, I really wanted to be there for them because I noticed that a lot of moms, black moms, especially that I talked to, were very, very private. They were very, very private about the journey, Um, and sometimes I felt that they were they, they they were just so alone, you know, they, they were just so alone and so frustrated and just uh, just struggling. And I, I, you know, I also tried to um, connect people with resources. And I, I just really, I wanted to be a face for us to open up more because sometimes I feel like we, we were missing opportunities. Yeah because we were so private. So that's another reason we started the Quasi Prince Foundation. Yeah, and I think that's um that's a it's sometimes it's a it's a it's a cultural trait that works against us, you know. Yeah. We, we yeah. can be very quiet and positive yeah. about our issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think it's great. You're right. You know, when we think about Quasi and we see his picture um it it, it it does feel like it's something that would be easier to access because, you know, there are people who can relate to my experiences, you know, who understand right. me. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, Sonia, what might uh, we, we not know, those who have not been impacted um, by cancer and young people, what is, it, what is something you talked about, you know, things that you've heard in support groups, um, mm-hmm. a common themes of, uh, you know, a lack of understanding with people who haven't been impacted, or or even those who are in the medical profession. Sometimes doctors may not understand certain sensitivities or insensitivities, Um, and some Mm -hmm. things just may be cultural as well. So what might uh, we not know um, that others wish we knew? Um... a good question. I think that others would benefit from knowing that pediatric cancer is a completely different beast than adulthood cancer. Pediatric cancer, it it affects the um, what? How can I explain this? The years of life. So when a child is diagnosed at such a young age, their life is shortened usually because there are not very many drugs that are for pediatric cancer. Most of the drugs are geared for adults. They just dummy them down for children. Mm. And that's another piece of the Quasi Prince Foundation um, is that we do fund research because childhood cancer only gets 4% from the government for research. And I think that's something that everyone should know. Um, our our children just deserve so much more. But I think that's I think that's 
um, I think that's something that everyone should know because usually the you know the parents we don't know that going in, but it's something that we quickly learn right. that there aren't very many drugs that are specific for um, for our children, um, and I think that it's important for parents who may be on the journey to learn to speak up and uh, let your medical team know that you are in this with them. They may be the medical experts, but part of me feels like until there is a cure, you're not really an expert. (laughs) um, That's a great point. Yeah, so don't be afraid. I think my biggest thing for parents, I talk to parents often, and sometimes they will hear about something else, maybe like another treatment in another state, and I usually always ask, well, what does your instinct say? What is what is what does your instinct say? It's like you should go for it because another thing that I always say is you never want to wonder if, um, and that is one thing I am so glad with Quasi. I tried everything, everything, and so I would always tell people I never want to wonder what if, um, and I think other people should know to support parents in those in those journeys because. Uh, people have people have lots of opinions about things that they don't have all the information on all the time. Right. Um, and I, I just think that's a big thing that people should realize. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is I'm um, Sonia. I'm really enjoying our conversation, and I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm taking a lot of notes uh, so that I can make sure I include um, some things on the show notes, like for example, Caring Bridge. Um, and mm-hmm. how can how can listeners support the Kawisi Prince Foundation, and how can they contact you? Well, they can contact me through our website, which is www.kawisiprincefoundation.org, and the spelling of his name is K-W-E-S-I, and the last name is Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E. And we can also be found on Facebook at Quincy Prince Foundation. Wonderful. So feel free to contact me via email or messenger on Facebook. Great. And and even though you're in Missouri, this is an organization that helps people uh, nationwide or worldwide? Our programs are, are St. Louis specific. We only support... Okay the St. Louis metropolitan area, we are always looking for, you know, top researchers, though, always. Great. Great. Um, In our our closing moments, um, again, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on to Nora Speaks and sharing what you have with the audience. Uh, I believe that what you have shared with us is going to not just impact us, but also help us uh, provide a necessary impact into our family and friends and colleagues who are, um, you know, managing their lives through this. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. Now, I will say that I tried to get a T-shirt. <laughs> I tried to get a T-shirt um, off of the website, but you were sold out. So, um, yes, we are. When will sold T-shirts out. be available? I mean, I saw the rush on Facebook, and I thought, okay, well, let me. I want a T-shirt. So I went online to get a T-shirt, and you guys are cleared out. Yes, we are. Someone else asked about the T-shirt, oh. <laughs> and I, it was so funny because just the other day I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if we should do another T-shirt campaign. We try to do them in campaign just because. Uh. I'm just not really wanting to get into the merchandise business, really. So we try to do them in campaigns so we can only have on hand what we need. But we will probably do that within the next couple of months because I've had several people ask. Well, please let me – 
let me know. That way I can share it with the NeuroSpeaks audience, those who have listened to this and have not just fallen in love with you, but also fallen in love with Koisi through this conversation. I definitely want to make sure that we can support you in the foundation's efforts. I will definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, just my, my last question to you, Sonia. Um, in all that you've uh, seen and experienced over uh, your journey, um, and as we're advising people to somehow get involved um, in whatever capacity that is good for them, how would you advise uh, those who are listening to be the movement? I would say first and foremost to advocate for funding for childhood cancer. Uh, like I said, children only get 4% of funding, which most people don't know. Our children deserve better treatment. You know, we, we see commercials about how um, there's been such improvement with childhood cancer, and yes, there have been with leukemia, um, right. really. But for brain tumors, there really hasn't been much improvement over the years. And I believe, I may be getting the year wrong, but I think it's 1970, since 1972, there have only been three approved drugs for children. I think it's 1972. That's a long time, you know, for us not to have new treatment for our children. And for some reason, more and more children are getting cancer. Um, so I think that is the biggest, the biggest thing um, that people can do to support the the movement. We just we mm-hmm. we just have to do better for our children, you know. And you could find a a childhood cancer organization to support. You know, we mm-hmm. get we get lots of support. I do believe because so many people follow our journey. Um, and, you know, they saw how much we were in the hospital in one of our programs. It's, like I said, it's a tote bag. We call it a tranquility tote to give to other parents, you know, because we have so many people that saw us, you know, in and out. Um, but, yeah, if you, if you can find a childhood cancer organization that's doing something to help the children or help the parents, that would be great because it's, 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 it's a tough it's a tough journey. It's a tough journey. Certainly. And so, um, you know, for the listeners um, who are uh, who have joined us, you know, when, when Sonia talks about advocate for funding, that means contact your congressman, contact the congresswomen, uh, and let them know that this 4% just isn't sitting well with us and that um, we have to do something about this. So if we talk about most of the attention is for leukemia, then that's, even a smaller percentage within that 4% that specifically is addressing uh, a tumor, brain tumors. Exactly, exactly, or other, you know, child cancers. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So we definitely need more funding. Um, yeah, we definitely need more funding so we can have better, better drugs and, and with less side effects as well. You know, so many of the children, they may survive, but there are other, so many of them, die from something else, you know, heart problems or lung problems or just secondary cancers because they were so young when they were diagnosed until they, they run a higher risk at getting cancer again from the treatment. Right, right. So, so yeah. one of, I know the, one of the goals is, um, of the foundation is the funding for your uh, innovative research that, um, for less toxic treatments for children. Yes, definitely, definitely, because, you know, when if I have to give my child a drug that I have to put on a mask and gloves, then, you know, I, I have a problem with that. Um, we, we definitely have to do better with non-toxic drugs. And we also are looking for researchers to, who is researching why our children are getting cancer, why are so many, so, so many more of our children getting cancer? Right, 
right? Yeah. Which which is which is which is as equal as important as curing it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So those of us who uh, would like to donate, we can go to the Kowasi Prince Foundation dot org and we can donate there. Um, we can contact um, our, our legislators so that they can let us, that we can let them know that this is of uh, great interest to us. And, uh, you know, support a um, pediatric cancer foundation um, in your local area. So these right. are some great takeaways. Right. Yeah, definitely. Or any childhood cancer organization. You know, we would love the support, but if funding is your thing or research is your thing, we're also doing that. But St. Jude is a great research hospital. Um, That's right. Yeah, CHOP in Philadelphia, it's a great hospital. There are several great hospitals here yeah. in the United States who they need funding, though. They need funding. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, Sonia, I want to thank you for being a wonderful uh, guest. And is there anything that you'd like to say in closing? I would just like to tell people to appreciate their children. I think sometimes people take children for granted and being a mom, being a parent, and being a parent truly, it truly is a gift. You know, I saw a mom in a grocery store and her little boy was, mom, 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 and she's like, stop calling me, and my heart instantly broke. I get it. I mean, I get it. Children, they can they can work on your nerves sometimes, but just to always remember that your children are, they're a gift. They are a, truly a gift and not to take it for granted. Yes, well, I thank you for that, and I thank you for that reminder for, uh, for all of us. Sonia, thank you for being a wonderful guest. Thank you for having me, Nora. I have really enjoyed chatting with you and, and sharing our journey. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at norazahira.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, at Noor Zahira Muhammad, and on Instagram, at Noor Z20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends, and be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember, don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.